Welcome to Israel Mosaic, Land People's Story. I'm your host, Koro Tarod. I'm coming to you from the Jezreel Valley in the Lower Galilee, where my wife and I live. I'm so glad that you could join me today. As I'm doing this recording from the makeshift studios of the apartment, I'm looking outside the window. I'm listening to the sounds of military planes faintly in the distance. And I can tell you that it's very sobering. There's been a lot of things going on in the news here lately with the northern border. And as I'm doing this recording, it's just a reminder of where I am and the sounds and sights that I'm seeing and hearing on a daily basis. Today's episode is called A Cher Kassim Story. Here in Israel, Jewish people make up most of the population, yet there are several minority groups of non-Jewish peoples living in the land with fascinating cultures and ancient backgrounds that I will share with you on today's podcast. Last week, I shared briefly on the plight of the Ethiopian people. I'll continue to share their narrative along with the Bedouins of Shibli. I'll also introduce you to the Cherkasim people. The Bedouins and the Cherkasim people are minority groups here in Israel who make up an integral part of Israel's mosaic. They are both members of the Muslim community. Living in the Jezreel Valley, I have the honor of being in a mosaic of communities. Not too far up the road from me is a village called Shibli, where the Bedouins live. Most Bedouins are nomadic people, and the citizens of Shibli are one of the only groups that are stationary. They live in houses, unlike much of the Bedouin community who live in the Negev Desert in the southern part of Israel who are nomadic and live in tents. The Bedouin community traces their ancient roots back thousands of years to the prophet Moses' father-in-law Jethro. The Bedouins of Shibli excel in an indispensable gift that has been passed down throughout their ancient history and has aided in keeping Israel's borders secure. For centuries, they were sheep and goat herders, and when one of their livestock got lost, they were able to find them by carefully retracing their tracks in the soil. This was an acquired skill that was passed down from father to son, from generation to generation, even still until this very day. This led to the development of a specialized gift by the Bedouins, the art of tracking. This invaluable skill was recognized by the Israeli military. Infiltrators in the past have crossed Israel's borders, jeopardizing Israel's national security. We know that in forensic science, the perpetrator of a crime will bring something into the crime scene and leave with something from it, and that both can be used as forensic evidence. Bedouins search for any traces of suspected invasion, such as signs of footprints, handprints, broken twigs, downtrodden grass, or overturned stones. The experienced Bedouin trackers, the ones that live right here in Shibli, can recognize the precise time the footprints were created in the soil. They can tell how much the infiltrator weighs, and they can recognize if the operative has special characteristics, like walking with a pronounced limp. They can detect trickery, such as someone crawling or walking backwards. In terms of Israel's security, their tracking gift is unprecedented and has been instrumental in winning battles for Israel 
ever since 1948 and beyond. The sights and sounds in the village I live in, although you can't see or hear the things that I'm describing, I want to be able to paint a verbal picture and give you an idea of the sounds and sights that you could see or hear if you were to go on the veranda where we live. Depending on the night, these are the sounds you can hear. Prayers echoing in the atmosphere from the Moazin, which is a Muslim leader. Fireworks cracking the sky from the local weddings in Bedouin Shibli. Middle Eastern music pulsating the airwaves. Jewish prayers from the nearby park on Friday night. And the daily sound of church bells from the ringing on the top of Mount Tabor at noon. And every Sunday, the prayers that are broadcasted mightily into the stillness of the air. The Cherkessim, a people known affectionately as Adiga. A few kilometers down the road is a village called Kafar Kama. It's one of the two villages where the people known as the Cherkessim live. Now, I just want to give a little bit of a, a background on the pronunciations of the words so they'll bring a little bit of clarity. Cherkessim is the Hebrew pronunciation. Circassian is the English pronunciation. The Cherkessim use their own word to identify themselves in their own language. It's the word Adiga. What is the history behind the word Adiga? History tells us that the Cherkessim or Adiga were Christians for a thousand years in their own homeland in the Caucasus Mountains, which is now the modern country of Russia. It was a bridge between Europe and Asia. They were located along the Black Sea, which is the crossroads for the entire region. Because the Cherkessim were strategically positioned between these two continents, they were subject to repeated attacks for over 2,000 years. Despite the attacks from foreign invaders, they protected their territories valiantly for generations on end. Their determined resolve and unstoppable defense became legendary for safeguarding their homeland. Hence the name Adiga, which means one who cuts off a path. Although the Cherkessim became great warriors, they were eventually victimized in the late 1800s by deportation and ethnic cleansing. The historical accounts say that 1.5 million Cherkessim were killed. Of the remaining 1.5 that were left, 90% were expelled to Turkey, Syria, Jordan, and Israel. The Ottoman Empire welcomed the Circassian people to take refuge in their expansive territory. Our village has one grocery store that's open almost every day, and it's run by the Cherkessim people. Last week, my wife and I interviewed one of the staff that we know from the store, and the lady's name is Nazreen. She happened to be right outside so we could interview her. She said that the five generations in her family had literally walked to Israel from the country of Georgia to Turkey, to Syria, and then finally to Israel. Cherkessian people arrived on the shores and have made their life here ever since. She mentioned that, just like ancient Israel, the Cherkessim 
had twelve tribes, each person knowing what tribe they were from just by their last name. There is a deep connection that the Israeli and Cherkessian people share. The Cherkessian settled in the Galilee region in 1878. Four years later, the Cherkessian helped Jewish immigrants reach the Promised Land and identified with the Israeli people in their similar history of exile and diaspora. The connectedness of the Jewish pioneers and Cherkessian people was never more apparent than in the Russian language they shared, both having come from the same region that it was fluently spoken. Israel and the Cherkessian people's histories have separate tapestries, but are finely interwoven. The biggest difference between the two peoples? After 2,000 years of exile and homelessness, Israel has returned to their home. The Cherkessim, almost 160 years removed from their land and country, still to this very day, do not have a place they call home. Sochi. You may have never heard of the Cherkessian people, but maybe you have heard of the city of Sochi. The same Sochi where the 2016 Winter Olympics were hosted. Sochi is now known as Russia's Riviera and one of the most popular vacation spots there on the shores of the Black Sea. Those games were held on the 150th anniversary of the genocide by Russian troops of the Cherkessian people in 1864, a massacre that the Russian government denies until this very day. Sochi is originally the homeland of the displaced Cherkessian people who were yearning to return to the place they once lived for centuries and created a rich and vibrant life and established generations of cultural legacies for their children to remember. Those legacies included customs, holidays, language, food, dance, and folklore. One of the most noted of their cultural practices is the payment of a bride price and the bridal abduction tradition. The groom and his friends take the bride-to-be into a wedding celebration, and the bride is welcome into the groom's family. The Cherkessim are skilled woodcarvers and makers of folk costumes. Of all the cultural traditions, maybe the most notable is that of storytelling. The Cherkessim people are skilled storytellers. Their oral folklore describes a time in their storied history that their heroes fought off the Huns, the Khazars, and Russians. The Importance of Story A noted professor once said about story, and I'm paraphrasing his words, Storytellers are the most powerful people in the world, and stories define who we really are. Civilizations from time immemorial have used stories to transfer their experiences, chronicle a people's history, and create and preserve a people's culture. Stories are how we as people remember life and learn. Stories that are told form images in our minds that create an emotion that finally produce a lasting memory. That's why the Bible is so powerful. There are vivid and real-life events and stories 
mostly taking place right here in Israel. What gives story meaning is when it's shared between people. My wife's friend Hevda shared with her a powerful statement about listening to someone else's story. The statement goes, The feeling of being heard is equivalent to being loved. A Cherkassian Rescue Before making Aliyah, which means to immigrate in Hebrew, my wife and I loved to be in nature whenever the opportunity availed itself. The quiet and peace of witnessing a sunset became our way of appreciating God's beauty of our surroundings on the south shore of Long Island. Starting in the year 2009, we would jump in the car, go down the road, and look for the most wonderful sunset. My wife, who was a wonderful photographer, would often remind me that the best sunset were after the worst lightning and thunderstorms, with the radiance of light coming out of the clouds just above the horizon. I can still remember going down the Robert Moses Causeway, feeling that this could be the dusk event that captures the sunset shot. Now let's fast forward 11 years. It's 2020 and we're living in Israel. It's the wintertime, January, and we see a sky and clouds beckoning us to come. We set out and saw a place to pull over, or so we thought we did. Unbeknownst to us was a small tree stump that perfectly blended into the dirt on the side of the road. And the next thing you know, we got stuck. I couldn't get out. The wheels of our car were spinning off the ground. The ground had been soaked due to the rains we were having. You see, here in Israel, the rainy season comes in November and lasts until April. So I got a car jack out, but to no avail. We had the feeling that our car was going to be spending the night along the roadside. I told my wife, call the police. That request didn't get too far. My wife felt that we should keep on trying. We were almost going to give up and walk home. My wife and I prayed to God for help. It was not too long after that we received a good Samaritan moment. We looked up and saw a Cherkessian couple in the distance. We saw a middle-aged man and his wife. Their names were Hud and Minal, riding on a four-wheeler, which we later found out were on their way to the Cherkessian village in Kafar Kama. When they spotted us struggling, they stopped and came over to us. Now you have to see it's winter, and this Cherkessian man is wearing sandals in January, and he's seemingly unfazed by the coldness of the ground. He had the look in his eyes like he had seen this situation before, and he knew exactly what to do. He had found a good-sized rock nearby and put the jack on the rock, and somehow, some way, lifted and rolled the car off the tree stump, and we got out of the mud. We were so grateful for this couple's compassion who performed an unexpected rescue mission. Jesus had talked about in a parable of the Good Samaritan 2,000 years ago in this land, the gripping story of a minority man, a kind minority man of his day, who helped a Jewish man who was in great need. Israel's first prime minister, David Ben-Gurion, once said, In Israel, in order to be a realist, you must believe in miracles. The evening ended with our car being rescued, and my wife got to capture the evening sunset 
and we got to meet new members of our local Cherkessim community. Israel in the news. This week of July 28th, the Times of Israel website reported that the Israel Antiquities Authority uncovered the remains of a 6th century church in the Galilee village of Kafar Kama, where the Cherkessim live, possibly the remains of a monastery. A mosaic floor was unearthed as well. This is the same village that we live near, only a few kilometers away. Today I want to introduce and share more stories of our interactions with members of the Ethiopian Jewish community. But this time, the members of this community outside the classroom that I taught. Last episode, I shared a little bit of the plight of the Ethiopian people, their journeys to Israel in 1984 and 1991, respectively. Many walked to Israel through blazing hot desert terrain and the cover of night, thousands upon thousands reaching the promised land, others never arriving at their intended destination only to be buried along the way in the sands of Africa, victimized by physical attacks, starvation, and malaria. When my wife Tikva and I moved to Israel in 2016, we met an innumerable amount of Israelis who were so helpful. Locals from the city of Tiberias that helped us navigate life in our new surroundings. Locals who knew where to buy products and what places to shop and what places to avoid. In my experience of traveling, and I moved around a lot in my life, I have found that in every place I've been, there's always one person that stands out among the rest. That person that makes you feel welcome, connected, instills the confidence for you to continue on on your journey and provide a sense of belonging. When my mom and dad, sister and I, moved from the Lower East Side to upstate New York, Newburgh, in 1980, that person for me was the late Malcolm Glenn, otherwise known as Mac or the Mayor. Although he never reached his 80th birthday last year, he never let his cerebral palsy hinder him from being the community guardian, mowing everybody's lawn, and loving his Washington Heights neighborhood. His legacy of love will be ever preserved for generations on end. The person we met in Tiberius who came to us the first few days was Gurma, and Gurma was the embodiment of the spirit of Mac. Gurma was of Ethiopian Jewish descent, a free spirit that always seemed to run into us at the local falafel and shawarma restaurants. He was in his 30s, positive, cheerful, although his life was filled with the harsh realities that included job inopportunities and unaffordable housing. That didn't stop his personhood, his personality, and his ability to connect with people, to connect with us, and to lead us on our way. We got to know Gurma when we broke bread with him at our apartment in Tiberias. We heard his story. We heard about his family, and we heard about his life. Isn't that one of life's most important things? Aren't we all longing for the day when we can meet together freely and safely without the fear of COVID? 
another individual of Ethiopian Jewish descent that I want to introduce you to is a man by the name of Elan. Now, Elan was the Afula Middle School custodian. The only word I could describe Elan is humility. He was a man in his middle ages who seemed to always be present at the very time and place that you needed him the most. Do you know anyone like that? A few years ago, I went to work at the Fulham Middle School. I finished the day and opened my car door and turned on the key, and the battery was completely dead. I called my ear, the security guard, and he looked at the car for a few minutes. Who do you think he called? You guessed it. Elon came briskly walking to the car with jumper cables. If it wasn't for Elon's helping hands, I would have been there who knows how long. Gurma and Elan are two Ethiopian men, but their kindness towards me speak of Ethiopians who demonstrated bravery, courage, rescue, and royal service that has been recorded in the Bible for all generations to read. The late Art Katz, noted Bible speaker and author, one of my favorite speakers and one of my favorite authors, once said about the peoples of Africa and the African diaspora, and I'm paraphrasing his words, God has a special calling for them in the last days. They would be instrumental in helping rescue Jewish lives from the onslaught of the oncoming anti-Semitism and would cover the whole entire earth. In the 6th century BC, the prophet Jeremiah writes that an Ethiopian official named Ebed-Melech during the reign of King Zedekiah who rescued the prophet from the cistern in which he was tossed into. So we see here a man of Ethiopian descent in the 6th century, written about by Jeremiah, who saves Jeremiah from this cistern, is showing heroism, is showing bravery, is showing courage. In the 1st century, hundreds of years later, we find another person of Ethiopian descent, an Ethiopian official, who goes to worship God in Jerusalem. On his return home, he's joined along the way by Philip, a leader in the Jerusalem church. The Ethiopian official was reading the prophet Isaiah. He was reading the words in Isaiah 53, 6 and 7. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Philip explains to the Ethiopian official that the person he has read about is the Messiah, Yeshua ben David. The Ethiopian official believes in the Messiah and returns home to Ethiopia, a completely different person than when he had entered Jerusalem. The same Messiah that the Ethiopian official experienced 2,000 years ago is the one that found me. The question the Ethiopian official had 2,000 years ago is the same question all peoples are asking today. Of whom does the prophet Isaiah speak? Join me next time on Israel Mosaic, Land People Story when I share about the historical beginnings of anti-Semitism and its impact in the modern world. Thank you.